This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by LightPoint Portfolio Solutions. Does your organization's retirement plan reflect your faith values? With 25 years of experience in biblically responsible investing, LightPoint Portfolios offers turnkey faith-based qualified retirement plans for businesses, nonprofits, and churches. LightPoint Portfolio seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. Learn more at lightpointportfolios.com. All of your relationships with spouse, family, and friends are important, but temporary. Your only eternal relationship is with God. Hi, I'm Rob West. We need the bonds of family and friends to help us thrive in this world, but they pale to the significance of your relationship with the Lord. Today, I'll give some practical ways you can draw closer to God. And then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, I know what you're thinking. What's my relationship with God have to do with finances? Because this is a show about money, right? Yes, but it's also about our faith. And for Christians, faith and our finances have everything to do with our relationship with God. And the Bible gives us three principles to connect the dots. First, God created everything, and therefore he owns everything. Colossians 1.16 reads, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Second, God gave us everything we possess. James 1.17 tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So God owns everything, but he's given us resources to use temporarily as his stewards. Last, God is not distant and detached. He wants a close relationship with you. James 4, 8 reads, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We draw near to God by obediently following his law. With over 2,300 verses in scripture about money and possessions, God has made his desire quite clear. He wants us to manage money according to his principles. Our friend Howard Dayton points out that wisely managing money and the other resources God has blessed us with deepens our fellowship with Christ. Having a close relationship with Jesus is another way to describe what the Bible calls true riches. In Luke 16:11, Jesus indicates that God uses money as a test. He says, "If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches?" Jesus is saying that how you handle money affects your spiritual life. If you manage it well, according to biblical principles, you'll naturally grow closer to Christ. If not, your fellowship with the Lord suffers. So biblical money management is a very practical way to improve your spiritual life. But sometimes things get in the way of that. There are two kinds of disobedience that keep us from handling money God's way and growing closer to him. The first is passive. It's just plain laziness. 
Some people don't want to take the time to organize their finances, make a budget, and track their spending. Doing those things might only take a few hours a month. Still, it's just too much to bother with. Worse, that same person will spend more time than that watching TV every night. As a result, intimacy with God suffers. Another person has a different obstacle to growing closer to God. It's an active or willful disobedience. For that person, money and possessions compete with Christ. Jesus tells us clearly how that will turn out. In Matthew 6:24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Then there are people who think they can surrender every part of their lives to Christ except money. They might be quite good at making money, paying their bills on time, saving and investing, but they refuse to give Christ lordship over their finances to follow all of the Bible's teachings. Maybe they stumble over tithing or other giving to God's kingdom. They have the resources, but they don't want to do it. Again, their intimacy with Christ suffers. Finally, there's the person who's not following biblical financial principles, but thinks his relationship with the Lord is just fine. To him, we might say, what you don't know will hurt you. What are you missing out on? You might think finances aren't interfering with your relationship with God, but how would you know? If that's you, perhaps you should commit to the Lord in earnest prayer and then follow through managing your money and possessions his way. You'll find what you need to get started by downloading the free FaithFi app. It will not only give you three ways to set up your budget based on the envelope system, it also has the best Christian financial content out there to help you grow closer to God by following His principles. Do that for three months and see if your relationship with the Lord is more intimate. We'll be right back. What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values? How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, back to the phones to Birmingham. Hi, April. How can I help you? Hey, yes, I was just curious. I have two old traditional 401ks from previous employers. They've just yeah. been sitting there for a few years, and I didn't know if I could just like maybe combine them and contribute to them and then also open a Roth IRA, or is it better to just do one? Yeah, so are you at a new employer that also has a 401k? No, no, unfortunately, he doesn't offer a 401k. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. So I like the idea of simplifying this April, reducing the number of total of uh, the total number of accounts that you have by uh, rolling these two four hundred one ks into one traditional IRA. You would be able to combine them, and then you would be able to also make future additional contributions to that. You could then open separately a Roth IRA, so you'd end up with two uh, retirement accounts. You'd have the individual retirement account and then the Roth uh, IRA as well. And you could decide how to contribute to those moving forward. Um, if you've got the bulk of your funds coming into the traditional, because that's how you were contributing uh, to the Roth, or excuse me, to the 401k, then I like new contributions going into the Roth, especially if you've got plenty of time before retirement. Uh, you know, that gives you a tax-free bucket growing as well. So that if it makes sense down the road to pull from that, um, because let's say marginal tax rates are higher than they are today, keep in mind the Tax Cuts and uh, Jobs Act um, rolls off in 2025. So we're probably looking at higher marginal tax rates down the road. So having that tax-free growth and then pulling that money out tax-free in retirement makes some sense to me. So yeah, I think combining them into the traditional, then opening the Roth and then uh, making contributions there moving forward makes a lot of sense. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. All right. Thanks for calling, April. Uh, To Florida. Hey, Mary, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Uh, Yes, um, I'm a retired person, and I've rolled my 401k and my pension into an account in a bank. And I understand CDs have a good interest right now, so I'm thinking about a CD. Uh, Are those insured by the federal insurance? Yeah, so typically you'd get a CD uh, from a bank, and you would just want to make sure that it's FDIC insured. But in most cases, if you're getting a CD from a bank, uh, they absolutely will be. Let's say I do it for nine months, and then I have a time, a short period of time I can take some money out. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back into nine months again. Yeah, but see, the, the question is, is this all happening inside of a retirement account? So there's the account itself, and there's taxable accounts and non-taxable accounts or tax-deferred accounts, and then there's the investments inside it. So if all of this activity, the buying of the CD and then the uh, redemption of the CD and then the purchase of another CD, if all that's happening inside an IRA because you rolled money out of a pension and a 401k into an IRA and then you're buying and selling those or redeeming those CDs inside the IRA, then that's not taxable activity. It's only when you pull the money out of the IRA, not out of the CD, but out of the IRA, that it becomes taxable. Okay, well, I've already done my distribution for this year out of the IRA. Okay, and that's the money you're looking to put in the CD? No. Okay, all right, go ahead. I'm using that to live off of. Okay, all right. I have in the IRA, I want to put into a CD. Okay. And, All right. Um, but I, I was, a friend of mine said that after nine, I'm going to do nine months, let's say, and mm-hmm. uh, then I can take some money out if I want, it, uh, but then it goes back into nine months where I can't touch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and are you wondering about the tax implications of that? Well, if I took it out, yes, I think there's probably going to be tax implications. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do this. I'm going to hit a break here in just a moment. It's a CD. 
Okay. Yeah, no, that's right. So I, here, here's the kind of the bottom line is as long, anything that happens inside the IRA is not going to generate a taxable event. You're correct. When it goes into the CD, you're locking it up for whatever that period of time is in the CD until the maturity. So you put the money in a nine month CD, it's in the CD for nine months. And when it comes out, it's now available to you, but it's still inside the IRA. So there's no taxes unless you were to make a withdrawal or a distribution from that IRA. IRA. So as long as you leave it in, you could keep rolling it over into new IRAs, getting that interest paid to you uh, inside the IRA, but it's not taxable to you unless you take it out. Hopefully that clears it up for you. Mary, we appreciate your call today so much, and if we can help you further, don't hesitate to reach back out. God bless you. Hi, John. How can I help you? Hey, Rob. Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, um, my wife and I, we've been married like 36 years. We're finally ne- empty nesters, enjoying it. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we're trying to play catch up right now. Uh, we've been in debt most of our life, I guess, you know, you know how it goes raising kids, Yeah. but we've been able to catch up pretty good the last three years. Um, I'm, uh, currently in a, one of those target funds. I'm in a 2030 target fund, okay. um, which is supposed to kind of transition over time, I guess, as you get closer to that number. Um, but this last year, I mean, we, we got absolutely hammered and I feel like now that, you know, I may need to work another three or four extra years just based on the hit that we've taken last year. So I guess my question is, you know, should I just stick it out and pump more money into this thing? Or should I look at another Avenue as far as investing? Yeah. Um, what is, uh, so you say, how far are you away from retirement based on what you know today? Probably about uh, eight to 10 years, I'm guessing. Okay. All right. So you've got eight to 10 years and you're in a 2030 fund. So you've probably got as much as maybe 60% in stocks. Is that right? 40% in bonds? Yeah, I think it's like 65, 35, something like that. And then it kind of every year it kind of switches, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would wait this out, John, if it were me. I mean, ultimately, you're the steward. you got to make that call. But I would say, you know, given that you're a minimum of five years out from retirement, um, you know, this market is going to recover, and it's going to recover ahead of the economy in all likelihood. Once uh, we know that the Fed is done raising interest rates, and clearly we're not to that point yet, but when we are, there's literally trillions of dollars on the sidelines that's going to come rushing back into this market. And I have a feeling we'll make uh, new highs in a pretty short period of time. It doesn't mean we're going to have a raging bull market. I think we're entering into a period where it's going to be you know, more modest gains than we've seen over the past decade, but we will recover over time. And I think as you recover what you lost, uh, that's then the time to say, okay, given where I am in proximity to my retirement, now's the time to get more conservative because if we go through another one of these, I don't want to have to wait for the market to come back. So I guess if it were me, I say stick it out until you at least recover what you lost. And then that's the time to begin getting more conservative, perhaps, you know, switching to a 2025 fund or, you know, something maybe even more conservative than that if you wanted to. Okay. Does that All make right. sense? Excellent. Yeah, it does. I, I, I appreciate your uh, your uh, advice. Thank you. 
Absolutely. I think the key is I just don't want you to lock in those losses. And then here you are two years from now and the market's recovered and you're thinking, man, I wish I had that money back. But at the same time, I want you to, you know, really tune into the fact that you felt like you were too aggressive just based on what you lost. So when the time comes, let's start moving to a more conservative posture. Uh, so you're ready to weather the next downturn because they do come in cycles. I appreciate your call today, my friend. God bless you. Well, we've got a lot more to come here. Here on Faith and Finance, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the MoneyWise program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back. With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM. Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. And here's the website chministries.org. C-A-C-H-Ministries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, back to the phones we go to Chicago. Hey, Ike, how can I help you? Yeah, how's it going? Doing great, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm calling sure. because I'm almost 50. My wife's almost 60. Uh, we don't have any debt, uh, but we have about a hundred grand we've saved up, and we just have no idea what to do with with that money. Yeah. What other assets do you have? Uh, liquid assets? Do you have retirement accounts, for instance? Uh, yeah, I have probably forty, forty-five grand in my. 401k she's just you know restarting hers <clears throat> excuse me and we probably have another 30 in a money market okay is that in a retirement account or just a taxable investment account J- just a regular money market account yeah okay yeah like with uh, capital one yeah so yeah so what we want to do is we want to try to boost the amount you're putting into your 401k because we want to get as much of this that isn't earmarked for some other purpose into a tax-deferred environment. And your best opportunity to really uh, get a good bit of money going in there would be first a 401k, um, and then second uh, a Roth or a traditional IRA. Because, you know, right now we can invest it, and perhaps we should, but it's there's going to be a taxes on all of the gains as you realize those gains along the way, which is going to put a drag on the investments. But it, the quicker we can get this into tax-deferred environments like a 401k and IRA, it's going to grow without the impact of the taxes on the money. So, you know, by boosting up your retirement contributions, especially if you're behind, you feel like on retirement savings, uh, even if you pushed it up beyond what you uh, needed to live on every month, you could supplement 
you know, your paycheck by pulling from the 100000 which is basically a way from of shifting the money that's in the taxable account and getting more going into the 401k, um, you know, through salary deferral, which is how you would uh, fund that 401k for you and your wife. And so, you know, you'd be able to put in quite a bit of money in those uh, 401ks because, you know, if you each have one, is that right? You each have one available to you? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you can put a lot there. Um, what about an emergency fund? We'd need to pull that out of this, right? You don't have emergency savings separate from this? Well, we have a little more now than a hundred grand because I've been uh, postponing <laughs> us doing something with the money. So we would still have some cash reserves even after we put the hundred thousand somewhere, even if we go with the idea you just gave about maybe contributing more to both retirement accounts and kind of supplement on the back end from that savings account. So exactly. Yeah. I think that would be the way to go. So I'd make sure you have three to six months expenses in a savings account. I'd move that to an online savings account that allows you uh, to get a little bit of interest probably right now about three and a half percent. And then, you know, in that 401k, if you're 50 and or older, you can put in a full 30,000 into that 401k uh, if you're over the age of 50, which I know you both are. Uh, so that's a good bet into those 401ks. And again, you know, that process that I described would be a way to shift that over. So I think that's perhaps your next step, which is then going to allow that money to grow over the next, you know, 15 years or more uh, between now and retirement, maybe a little bit of less for your wife, but but certainly for you. And then, um, you know, you'll have quite a bit of a nest egg there. It sounds like you guys are diligent savers, uh, which is great. So you can really kind of make up for some lost time. Hopefully that gives you some ideas to think about, Ike. We appreciate you calling today. Keep up the good work. Uh, to Ohio, Giorgio, thanks for calling. Go ahead. I have a simple question. Uh, I have a son who's 30 years old who's getting serious about his finances. And uh, maybe you could suggest a simple budget uh, template that uh, he could uh, adhere to. He's not making a ton of money, still lives at home, but um, he doesn't have any expenses and uh, he needs some help and direction. What, what, what do you suggest? Yeah. Well, I think the FaithFi app would be a great option for him. It's a smartphone app that you know he would be very comfortable with. He'd be able to use either the manual approach where he would just enter in his income as he receives it, and then he could allocate that to his various envelopes digitally in the app, and then you know transfer, and then every time he has a transaction, he would enter that into the appropriate envelope, and it would show him what he has left, or or he could use the electronic approach where he connects securely to his bank account or savings account or if he has a debit card or credit card, and then all those tra- transactions would come down automatically. But the key is it would allow to s- him to set up his plan, and then he would see what is am- available in his funding accounts, probably his checking account, and then in the app he would allocate those, uh, you know, that funding amount into each of the envelopes, and then as the transactions automatically flow in, it would reduce those balances to show him what he has left, and would teach him the budgeting process. But it'd be a real simple kind of modern smartphone interface that he would be very comfortable with. And we can give you a six-month pro subscription just as our gift to you, Giorgio. That you can pass along to him and uh, see if that works for him. We also have a team of uh, success managers that can come alongside him to make sure that it's set up correctly and answer all of his questions. So you stay on the line. We'll get your information and uh, make sure we get that out to you, okay? Thank you. God bless you. All right, Giorgio. Thanks for calling today. You stay on the line. Uh, Let's finish today in Pennsylvania. Hey, Bob, thanks for calling. Go ahead, sir. 
Yes. Uh, how, do, how do you know if you need an estate instead of a will? And, and, and is there a difference between a state and a transfer on death, a TOD? Would you explain that so I can know, maybe have some yeah. wisdom on what to do? And God bless you for your ministry, too. Well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. When you say a state, do you, do you perhaps mean a trust? Yes, a trust, yes. yes. Okay, we have yeah. properties and cash and uh, yeah, equipment very and good. stuff, and it's all debt-free. It's all debt-free. Sure. So. Okay, yeah, so we all have an estate, which is just simply the uh, total of all of our assets and personal effects and property. Uh, and the question is, how do we plan for the orderly distribution of that? Because there's only three places it can go, the government, heirs, or charity, or ministry. We want to make sure it passes according to your wishes. This is your last stewardship decision. The question on a trust versus will, a will simply says, at your death, how your estate, everything inside your estate, is to be distributed. And the transfer on death, whether that's on an investment account or as a part of a piece of real estate, is just going to allow everything to pass outside of the estate, which is how everything in the will is passed through an executor, through the probate court. It's going to allow it to pass outside directly to whoever you name that it's to be transferred to. Uh, the benefit of the trust is everything is going to happen outside of the probate court. It can be private and it could go into effect prior to your death if you're incapacitated and after your death um, for uh, you know, a lifelong dependent or if you wanted your estate distributed over time. Uh, so I think, you know, that's really the key for you to determine, do we want this private? Do we want it outside of the probate court? Do we want it, you know, an, a, a, um, ex not an executor, but a trustee to handle things prior to death or after death? That's really the primary determinant as to whether a trust is needed. So I'd connect with a godly estate attorney and just go over your uh, assets and estate plan and just see what is needed. You might find that a TOD and a will will cover it. Thanks for your call today. Thank you to Luke, Tahira, Amy, and Jim. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, Lord willing, and I hope you will be too for the next installment of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.